May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Father, you who are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, it's a new year. I'm sure you thought about it over the last couple of days, celebrated family, friends, maybe made some resolutions. All the possibilities are before us. It's a new year. It's the time when optimists and pessimists kind of have their day. Some look at the negative and some look at the positive. Two men jumped off a building. The pessimist, as he passed the fifth floor, said, Help! The optimist yelled, So far, so good. Now, an optimist is a man who thinks that the dry cleaners are shrinking the waistband of his trousers. He's also the fellow who grabs a fishing pole when his basement is flooding. And I hope that more of you are optimists this morning as the new year begins than are pessimists. But I know you're both out there. As the year begins, each of us needs to look at our Christian life and measure by God's standards of maturity. And as Ebenezer, as folks here, we found ourselves in a place of new beginnings in the new year, new challenges in the new year, uh, 60 days of prayer, something we maybe have not done for some time or even at all. Can we even briefly for a moment look back and see where God has matured us because of the events of the last year? We can say, Father, because that happened, I'm deeper in you. I understand you more deeply. I love you more deeply. You may remember and know from Psalm 1 that Christian maturity is not measured by age, but measured by experience. It's likened to a tree, not a person. This morning I want to bring some if I can, parallels between ourselves and Israel as we consider the text that was read for us in Exodus 14. I believe it's this morning and this new first few months are a key time in the life of our own history. A time when we eventually can, by God's grace, look back and say, you were there. You brought us through. You helped us move ahead. You led us clearly. Israel, as the story was briefly read, is a story at crossroads, isn't it? It's a very significant time in the life of Israel in the text that was read. The story is briefly about the fact that Israel has spent 430-some-odd years in slavery in Egypt. and The history of that is maybe familiar to some of you. And then Moses has been called by God himself in a dramatic way to lead the Israelites from Egypt to a new beginning, to a new life, to a new opportunity to continue the promise that he'd given to Israel centuries ago before that, that he would lead them and bless them. And so Moses is called to lead them. And just before I look more closely at the text... 
There's an illustration I want to give you from my own experience that I think might help us as we reflect upon the moving that's going on. The first picture we have this morning is uh, just a sweet one for me. It's uh, an opportunity that I had here back in June when myself and a number of fellows, including our son, took a motorbike trip, and we were two weeks gone. We headed from here down south through central states, and, and we camped in tents most of the evenings. Now, the thing about a tent, and I'll just, if you want a context, the first verse of 14 helps a little bit because the first verse of chapter 14, God says through Moses, go and encamp. Guess what? That means set your tents up. So that's why I thought of this illustration. So there they are waiting for the Israelites or for the Egyptians, and they're in camp. They've set up a campsite. Well, this campsite here is somewhere down in uh, southern Colorado. And the thing about camping is you arrive at a site where there is simply grass or, or uh, an opportunity to put your tent up, and there's nothing really there until you set your tent up. And then it becomes home for you. And whether it's a day or a week or longer or whatever, that's your home. That's where everything is accomplished. You have safety, you have dryness, you have food, and that particular spot right there for us for a day or two was home. And we made memories there. We have history from that site. It's an important place for me, that site right there. But then, of course, as the next picture shows, eventually you have to pull up the pegs. Eventually you have to move on as we did. And so you pull the pegs out of the tent and you drop the tents down. And after a very brief time, everything's packed into our motorbikes, all our food, and we get our helmets on. And if you were to look at the site where we had been, you would never know we were there. No indication that that was home. No indication that that was your past, your history, what you enjoyed and had your privilege of being there. And as you pull away from the site... And you say goodbye, even though there are memories, you completely leave it. You pull up the pigs, you take away the tents, you get on your bike and you drive away. And a day later, nobody would ever know you were there, never know you had that history, never know you experienced that privilege, that life. You pull up the pigs and you move ahead. Such is, thank you very much for those pictures, such is the experience as we take a few moments to look together. You've got a few notes in the bulletin if you want to refer to them. The principles that we find in this story this morning. First of all, Pharaoh approaches the people of Israel. Here they are encamped. Here they are wondering. And they look and Pharaoh and Egypt, the soldiers of Pharaoh are coming. Now, Egypt had been left behind. They'd pulled up the stakes. They'd gone, successfully left and headed across the desert. Israel had been really blessed, and they were excited that God had miraculously moved them from the country. Nothing could stop them now. The future was ahead. It was bright. Moses was leading, and God was in control. In verse 8 of chapter 14, it suggests they left following Moses boldly. They boldly moved on their way. 
God wanted the world to know that this was his plan for Israel, and they moved out. And just when things seemed to be clicking along, Pharaoh came, leading his army. And so the principle in this first point is this. The enemy is to be expected when we are bold for the Lord. The enemy is to be expected when we're bold for the Lord. And until for us the enemy is the same today as then, he who would oppose God, he who would go in a different direction than the church should go in, that's the same enemy. We sang about him this morning beautifully in the hymn, He Who Opposes the Church. The same enemy we face today as the church. Whether it's boldness we need in our families because of issues we're facing, or in our business, we need to be bold because there's an enemy that's undermining the directions of a good business practice. Or this morning for the church, Ebenezer, as we move to a new year, as we begin the challenge of 60 days of prayer, as a group of people praying consistently together about matters that relate to the church that God has called us to be part of. Maybe it's the call on our behalf to seek for a pastor, to strike a search committee, to boldly try this again, to boldly say, God is leading us, loves us, knows us, and wants at this spiritual crossroad for us to move ahead. The enemy is to be expected. He's not necessarily going to win, of course, in our lives or in our church, but he will be there. This is something I teach to every new believer's class. The enemy is to be expected as you start your Christian walk. As you've confessed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I teach every new convert, expect Satan to show up in ways that you've never, ever experienced him before. For he pays more attention to you now than he did before. Secondly, this morning, Moses acknowledged the cry of Israel. As Israel looked up and saw the enemy approaching, they cried out to God. They complained, oh dear, how different they are from us. They complained to Moses. Well, the text read about their complaints this morning. But I want to challenge you this morning. Don't be too hard on Israel. There are people like us. There were people who, when things seemed to be going just fine and the enemy showed up, they complained to whomever would listen. In this case, the leadership. In this case, Moses. They complained. People in authority always get our complaints. People in authority understand complaining. Pastors and leaders understand with grace that people get upset 
when things don't go right, when the enemy shows up. Sometimes parents get angry at their children for things they do. And some parents tend to be more angry than others. Why did this child do this or that? But you know, some those who've matured a bit as parents remember when they were children. It's a good thing to do from time to time, folks. Some of us have to go back a long ways, don't we? To remember when we were younger and we acted so foolishly as children do. The strength of parents today is they can remember what they were like when they were children. Moses, God's leader, showed why he was chosen as such because this is the advice that he gave to those who cried to the Father. God's provision is to be expected when we stand firm. Verse 13 of chapter 14. God's provision is to be expected. That's a principle when we stand firm. They began to fall apart. The people began to to simply think the worst had happened. Are you a bit like that? When a crisis comes, you think the worst has happened? Think back to the last time you fell down. All of us fall down, sometimes lately more than we should, I suppose. But when you fall down, after you've looked around to see who saw you, that's always the first thing, right? The first, no matter how badly you're hurt, you look to see if anybody saw you fall. After you get through that, you start checking the old body, right? And you think the worst has come. And you think, oh, I've broken this, or I've hurt that, or I'll never be the same, or I'll never exercise the way I used to. We think the worst. We think the worst. I remember falling down the stairs a number of years ago. It was late at night. I was going down to my office early in the morning, and I missed a step carrying my briefcase. Yeah, that's what I did. And I went flying down the steps, landed there, And I thought, as my legs, I couldn't feel my legs for a moment, and I thought, oh no, I'm paralyzed. I thought the worst. Friends, God's provision is to be expected when we stand firm. We today, if we're crying before God, need to hear the leader's words. You will never see this enemy again. Amen? You will never see this enemy. Whatever experience you might be thinking about from last year, whatever difficulty that you went through last year, whether it's with our church or in your home or business, the leader says to us through the word, you will never see this enemy again. We're on to a new year. Stand firm. Remember who I am, the Father says. And God will provide in the midst of despair and fear. Yes, we cry out, and it's okay to cry out. It's all right as part of your prayer in these several weeks and months to come, as your daily prayer goes on, it's all right to cry out. It's all right to complain to Him. He knows how to listen to our complaints.
But as we look to a new year, we need to see more maturity in our Christian life than last year. And the prayer time we have prepared for ourselves for the next two months will do that. Prayer will mature us, my friends. Thirdly, the third principle, the Lord answered the concern of Israel. Verse 15 reads like this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites, move on. Pull up the pegs. Take down the tents. Move on. Now. Now is the time. And here we are in a new year. We're moving forward. We're pulling up the tent pegs. We think of the past where we stayed. We think of the campsite we had. We think of the church that we knew. We think of the experiences of last year as profound and real as they were. But we've left. We're moving on. We're leaving behind the things that were there. And we're starting fresh with the leadership of the Father. And friends, we are expected then to go forward with clear goals. And our prayers over these coming weeks will be to help us, Lord, establish some clear goals. Help us to be specific about a search committee. Help us to be specific about our relationships together. In our, in our uh, groups that meet. In our opportunities to socialize here and during the week. Help us to be deliberate about our relationships, to improve them, to deepen them, to mature them. There is no plateauing in the desert. There is no stopping when the march begins. We go forward in 2016, individually and as a congregation, in families and in business. We are going forward in prayer. As Israel expressed their concern, the Lord answered and said, Go forward. Move. Be together. Work together. Cooperate together. Today, as we commence these 60 days of prayer, and the booklets that you have been given uh, this, today, I trust that you'll take them along with you. A lot of work has gone into preparing those. As we pray together as a church, we cannot predict what God is going to do. We can imagine, we can hope, and we can wish, but we will find ourselves in the coming days and weeks and months celebrating the truth of God's Word in our lives. I want to ask you then as we in a moment bow for prayer that you will find yourselves with me committing yourself to a change of venue, to a change of habit even, to pray daily over these weeks for our church, for our leaders, for the direction God is taking us as we pull up the stakes and move ahead. It may be for some of us a demand to pray every day. It may be a demand to pray with specific, you know, uh, ideas that are in our, our, our booklet. It may be difficult. 
It may be strange, but let's pick up the challenge together and find ourselves in unity together as the people of God. Would you pray with me, please?